How's it going? It is Dave and Matt. We are back for a brand new episode of Suama Station, the official podcast of All Japan Worldwide Fan Group. We want to thank you all for subscribing and listening and joining us. And um, if uh, if it sounds a little crazy in the background, it's because my compatriot Matt is actually hard at work. He's here hanging with us. That's right. I am hard at work at the Postal Service, but I am here to deliver the great news, the great wrestling, with my friend here. We have a lot in store for you. Like I said, we have good wrestling. We have great interviews. News. This episode, okay, we've got part two of that interview with Kea, as well as a special interview that we did with Fumi Saito. going to talk with us about the NOAA All Japan split from 2000. It's, it's probably one of our favorite interviews that we've done so far, and we're hoping that you guys like it and enjoy it. And we're, we're really hoping that you're subscribing to the YouTube. You hope, we hope you're checking it out on Spotify. But we want you to, you know, if you love it, spread the gospel. Tell people about it. Tell, you know, anybody who loves wrestling podcasts that there's an English All Japan Worldwide fan group podcast for All Japan that talks about All Japan then, now, and the future. Because, you know, guys like Kiyoyagi... As well as, I mean, Francesco Akira, I would definitely say, would be smart to be a part of the future of All Japan. Because even if he's not going to be a full-time worker, he can definitely show up and do sh- shows, and, and the fans will still love him. And I'm if, sure if you'd he, be willing to. If he was a full-time worker, he would definitely be a top junior. 100%. I would go and put the belt on Akira next, if it was me, right now, and then have him drop it before he goes back to uh, Italy. Only because Iwamoto is the king of the, di- the, the the division. And look at many times that Masafuchi won and lost the title. But think about how long he collectively held that belt. Iwamoto, is, he owns that division. He's not going anywhere. And no. I, I feel as though it wouldn't be the worst thing if uh, Akita won it for, you know. I mean, Tiger Mask. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, um <laughs> Dynamite Kid, Dynamite Kid won the uh, international junior, well, the international junior heavyweight title, NWA international junior heavyweight title for like five days, and then lost it, you know, like that. But I'm pretty sure it was like a, a thank you kind of thing or just transition. But whatever. Point is, is that uh, Akita has definitely earned it, and I would say that you know you got to strike while the iron's hot. News. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Yusuke Okada. Has uh, ended his contract on New Year's Eve. He will be a free agent in 2021. This was surprising news. Uh, he said he will still do shows in Ultra Pan, but at the long run, he'll we'll see him in different in wrestling. What? How did you feel about that when you heard that? I I love All Japan so much, and, and the thing is, is that we we love it, but we also want to be able to take the to step away from our fandom to be able to look at realistic things and you have to look at realistic uh, situations in a wrestling promotion with personnel with finances you know these this is a business at the end of the day and so my feeling really was that um you know something 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 uh, is was not clicking uh because uh okada was was hot was he he was a hot commodity when he was with uh, Evolution, 
right? He he was the right. young boy. He was taking the losses, but he he looked really strong, and I I remember watching him on his debut and just being a big fan of his as he sort of was climbing the ranks, and then it, it kind of seemed to be coincidentally around the time, uh, you know, uh, he leaves Evolution and he's kind of uh, trying to strike it out on his own, which I thought would be really good. And um, when that didn't happen, I was like, okay, something, something's going on because he's taking a lot of falls. He, he's not uh, looking as strong as he used to. He's got those awesome no, new tights, but, uh, you know, besides that, you know, he hasn't shown a lot of growth since then. And I felt like he was like a breakout star just waiting to get out. And so this has happened and, you know, you have to wonder what kind of things play behind the decision of Okada to decide to not keep not resign with all Japan as you mentioned he's going to can probably continue doing shows as a freelancer right um, obviously there are going to be eyes on him as to where he is available where he could go there's options lots of options right now for a guy you know he, he's a young talented wrestler Generally not surprised. I felt like he was the level where he was at. Like, there was going to be no signs of moving up or anything like that. I figured he would try to move up after Aoki passing over a year ago. I'd be part of the guys to step up in the junior division, but that wasn't the case because you have Koji Iwamoto and Hikaru Sato being the guys that are elevated in the junior division while Okada just turned into a fall, fall guy and like, if they weren't going to use him and this was like the limit he was at right now business-wise it's smart to go again he did all he could right there and now and I wish him nothing but the nothing but the best I want him to succeed I'm sure he'll spread his wings travel around Japan to grow more as a wrestler and Maybe he'll come back one day. We'll see. But in the long run, I am happy for him, and I wish him luck. Some really talented young wrestlers decide that they're going to hang it up early, and you know we, we can't fault them for that because they're just thinking about their future. You know, they're 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 the only ones that are really thinking about their future because it's directly involving them. But um, there, there's been some talk on uh, Twitter and various groups about the feeling that Akiyama, when he departed from all japan that's when okada's stock kind of sharply fell and he was taking losses and being in the you know he's still in the openers even though uh, uh he is you know he had grown from being a rookie and you know you mentioned the fact that you know the the aoki you know situation and okada and sato being directly linked to that and i mean that's just that's a lot of momentum lost right there because uh okada definitely was uh somebody that aoki spent a lot of time working with and you have to imagine that uh, this is a big loss for all japan's um the, the, the 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 if you look at wrestling promotions their growth is tied into their their rookies their their youth movement and Okada was right. definitely on his way to stepping up to that next echelon. And, uh, you know, just real quick, you know, we, we want to talk about how, you know, position-wise, it's really hard to, to figure a position for Okada, you know, besides being a comedy wrestler, I suppose, because 
he he was obviously getting a build towards being bigger than a a junior heavyweight and while right. at the junior heavyweight division you've got Iwamoto and then obviously you've got guys that are starting to be a bit more exciting than Okada but that's not a fault of his it's just i believe that they they booked the three rookies a bit stronger than Okada and gave them a lot of uh, character and flavor within a relative amount of time they're legit that are going to pay off for all japan if something like this doesn't happen again that's just it is you know they, they had the rookie after okada he didn't even do his match if i'm not mistaken he he like did the training and he just uh walked out i mean he he basically he took off at the last second and didn't debut and uh you know if i get it i think his name was abina if i'm not mistaken you have to hope that this isn't uh something that is going to be a moral uh demoralizing to the group you know to the dojo because you know they've got a lot of young guys right now they've got their first heavyweight in a while in Duki honda and so if they keep nurturing that relationship and he looks good in the matches he he fits in very well you know one can only hope that they're going to keep working on developing their rookies and making sure that they feel like they've got the room to grow in all japan because i tell you all japan cannot afford to lose any more guys and it's you know uh, i go back to the positioning challenged for the title once or twice working in the junior division and kind of just floating around as a comedy worker and then getting attached to yoshitatsu which is i hate to say it like the kiss of death and so uh you have to wonder if okada just saw that there was like a glass ceiling already where he was and if that's the case, well, All Japan needs to really reevaluate things because if somebody like Okada can't grow, then you've got real problems. You know, you've got some real serious uh, lack of depth in the roster already. And, you know, we, we love the wrestlers that All Japan have, but they definitely need more firepower. And they, they need to, you know, I hate to say it, but at, at times they need to just ask more of the talent that they already have because i mean they can do so much more um i look at somebody like minzore and yeah at times you know he's really over with that you know black minzore gimmick but at other times i know he's a hell of a worker and he can do so much more than that and aizanagi has definitely been showing that he is still a, a top caliber worker this year just because uh he worked a real world tag league and very short notice still looked pretty solid and did not look out of place in that tournament. You know, he's won the All-Asian Tag Belts, making all of his roll-ups and cradles look credible. You have to wonder if All Japan can afford somebody like Alejandro, who they've been using in the real-world tag league, you know, in the short time he's been working with them, that he would be a good addition. People who have seen him in Wrestle 1 could attest to that. So my hope is, is that at the beginning of the year, maybe we get two signings, maybe one heavyweight, one junior heavyweight. Wouldn't hold my breath uh, besides more than maybe say a, a junior heavyweight because they'd probably work for a bit less money realistically for the moment. Right. You know, they've got about six, seven to eight credible challengers, which is more than enough. But the junior heavyweights, there's only about five. And Akita is you know, probably going to go back to uh, Italy probably within the next six months i would imagine um and so once he's gone and once hayato is gone that's two credible challengers that you could have for the junior heavyweight title that are taken out of the picture and uh, okada could have been one they could have stu stuck him back in there but now you've lost three so now you're down three junior heavyweights 
And now you've got to find a way to bridge that, you know, that gap. And who knows when uh, Dragon Game wrestlers are going to come back to help out, like a little partnership they had for that junior tag with Susumu. Uh, if something has, uh, a, a, an action has set off a other chain of events, and that has to do with what Matt is talking about, the Dragon Gate possibly having some issues with something that All Japan is getting itself involved in, but kind of hard to say. We don't know the details, so, but I hope it's like nothing serious and something that can actually be fixed in a meeting or something. Because I like, I like their partnership, and most of Dragon Gate is juniors. That could definitely help out the other juniors to help them get more junior signs all Absolutely. So why don't we get into the uh, real world tag league results? Now we want to say thanks again to Pudo Love and Striga, all the folks involved with Pudo Love. They do fantastic work. We are so thankful for them. Cage match, the same folks, but you know the work on the folks that work at Cage Match. We want to say thank you so much. Check out CageMatch.net or pudolove.com so on the 18th at shinjuku face okay gara tv got this uploaded as well as all japan ajpw.tv and then we saw the opener with yusuke kodama beating yusuke okada with a mad splash in a little under five and a half minutes is terrific match i actually got to see this uh live it was a really fun match i I'm really sad that uh, they're not going to be tussling so much. They probably will have a few more matches, but I would say not as frequent because they, these, these, I could have watched them develop a real serious rivalry. But anyways, uh, Takao Mori, Black Menzode, and the rookie, Diyuki Honda, team up to get the win over Atsuki Aoyagi, Akira Francesco and Rising Hayato when Omori used the Axe Bomber on Hayato at 8.22. Third match had Hokuto Omori and Koji Doi of Infanterible defeating Hikaru Sato and Dan Tamura of Evolution when Doi used a padlock hold on Tamura for the win. The fourth match saw Tajiri and Masato Tanaka. They formed their ECW revival reu reunion team, whatever you want to call them. They weren't a team in ECW, but, you know, ECW revival team, Japan branch, going up against Yoshitatsu and Yoji Sai, these, these strange bedfellows uh, tag team. And they get the win over Yoshitatsu and Yoji Sai due to Jiri and Masato Tanaka when Tanaka used a sliding D in a little under 11 minutes. The fifth match was Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto of Jin going up against Aizanagi and Shigehiro Ida. Now, if you have not heard the news or you did not hear the news, Zeus got COVID, unfortunately. And so he was unable to compete in the tournament without being a health risk. And so Aizanagi stepped in place of Zeus and, uh, you know, good on Aizanagi for doing so. Aizanagi and EDA take the loss in 12 minutes, 13 seconds when Lee uses the backdrop on Aizanagi for the win. In the sixth match, we saw Shotaro Shino and Kumarashi of Infanterible get the win, a revenge win over Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa at 15.48. Ashino and Arashi had just lost the tag team title match back last month. Before, right before the tournament started uh, against 
uh, runaway giants Suama and uh, Shuji Ishikawa, and so this is a big uh, a big win over the tag champs, even though they lost the tag titles. You know, it kind of shows that they're still, you know, they're, they're right there. They're ready to go and take these guys down and get the tag belts. Then the the main event saw Daisuke Sekimoto and Abi Kobayashi, Big Japan, go up against Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi, the next stream reunion. Talk about another reunion. Abi and Sekimoto get the win over uh, next stream at 1842 when Kobayashi used his Bakachinga elbow drop on Miyahara, which I'm sure surprised quite a lot of people, myself included, when that when that happened, just because it was like nobody saw that coming. Usually Sekimoto will go and get the pins uh, when he is the team captain of his team during, you know, matches in All Japan. So that was really, really, really strange that that happened. Okay. Uh, this was a this was a solid first show. I really liked uh, Enfonse and Giants rematch with um, them getting the win, revenge win over the Giants. And um, again, with uh, Kobayashi and Kento, that was a surprise, but this was still a nice match. It, it, was, a, it was a better introduction of this tag league to get people interested in what's going to happen next because of all these outcomes. I'm sure projections in uh, booking that wanted to be that wanted to be executed, but Zeus being COVID, getting COVID definitely threw things uh, out of whack. And I kind of get the feeling that maybe Yoshitatsu was supposed to tag with somebody else, but that didn't wind up right. happening. And I'm sure because of COVID also and the lack of, um, you know, being able to, to have live shows for several months has definitely hit them financially. And so they also have to keep in mind, you know, they're, they're working with, you know, X amount of uh, ability to make money on top of having to spend money. So I'm sure at some point you have to consider things and condense. And so, you know, I, I still think that it got a lot of attention because of the fact that you've got the ECW revival team because of the fact that you've got Abdullah Kobayashi showing up for the next show, which was at Nagaoka, Audi. And this was on the 21st of November. And I'm going to go over a couple of quick notes, which is Hakuto Amori beat Hiroyuki Suzuki with the Muso Isen at 5 minutes, 5 seconds. This is Suzuki's first appearance in All Japan. Yusuke Kodama and Big Daryokan, they get the win over Yusuke Okada and a returning Shigeno Shima, okay, Kodama gets the win over Okada with the horizontal cradle at 7 minutes 40 seconds. And I also want to go ahead and get right to the real world tag league matches. Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa, they get their first two points over Aizanagi and Shigehiro EDA at 11.48 when Ishikawa used the Splash Mountain on Aizanagi for the win. The next match saw uh, Sekimoto and Abby Jr. get two points with a big win over Infanterible when Sekimoto pinned Arashi with a German suplex at 11 minutes, 6 seconds. And in the main event, Jins, Jake Lee, and Koji Iwamoto get the win over Yoshitatsu and Dioji Sai to get two points on it with the, uh, when Jake Lee uses backdrop suplex Yoshitatsu to get the win in the main event. 
Moving on to the next night, we have Kasukabe Touch Cube. It is uh, November 22nd. They're, these are all on AJPW.TV, uh, if we haven't mentioned. Now, there was a new wrestler that was going to make an appearance in All Japan. He's no stranger to All Japan, but he has... Uh, this would be his... Let me rephrase that. <laughs> this is... Takeyuki Ueki's first appearance in All Japan since his split with Big Japan Pro Wrestling. He has decided to leave Big Japan. And so this was one of his first appearances after leaving Big Japan. He is uh, in a losing effort with Okada going up against Sato and Tamura of Evolution. Sato uses the Death Valley Bomb on Ueki for the win. We see in real world tag league action, we see Sekimoto and Abby Jr. get two more points over uh, Tajiri and Masato Tanaka when Kobayashi used the Ganosuke clutch on Tajiri at 9.05. We also saw in real world tag league action, Yoshitatsu and Dioji Sai get their first two points over Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa at 17.59. When Yoshitatsu puts out Suwama's lights with the Yoshitatsu Fantasy at 17.59. And in the main event, Shotaro Ashino and Kumarashi get two points over Kento and Yuma at 17.09 when Arashi used the diving senton on Aoyagi for the win. Okay, uh, I really love the main event. I thought it was a great match. Uh, I really wish Koji Doi Shintaro's partner for this match to have Shintaro and Koji against Kento and Yuma since Yuma and Koji had that encounter about two months ago. I think that would have been perfect just to have that there. And um, Yoshi beating Suwama again and still cannot get a title match because he is a thorn on Suwama's side and still gets nothing out of it. That, as much as you don't like Yoshi, that is still a shame. Yeah, I think you hit that right, right. The nail on the head is uh, Tatsu remains a, a thorn in Suwama's side, even though uh, he, you know, Suwama wouldn't entertain the idea of a triple crown title match. But um, yeah, you know, Tatsu definitely proving that he still has what it takes to win the main event. That's that's a win over Kento, and that's a win over uh, Suwama in both tournaments right because in uh the the champions carnival tatsu put him out yeah he put him out real world tag league he beats the triple crown champion the no the five crown king you know in in real world tag league so you know that's kind of a big deal for yoshi tatsu the next date is uh the 23rd they are back at kurikan hall we saw the very first appearance of alejandro in all Japan since the Wrestle 1 dissolving earlier this year. He teams up with Udamaro to beat Atsuki Aoyagi and as uh, well as... Uh, I'm going to do that one more time. Five, four, three, two, one. The next date is the 23rd at Kurkin Hall. Now, this is Alejandro's first appearance in all Japan since the Wrestle 1 dissolving earlier this year, uh, since Wrestle 1 dissolved earlier this year, he teams up with Udamaro in a winning effort against Aoyagi, uh, Atsuki Aoyagi and Francesco Akita when Udamaro uses a triangle choke on Akita for the win. 
In real world tag league action, we saw Shotaro Ashino and Kuma Arashi beat Aizanagi and Shigehiro EDA when Ashino used the ankle lock on Aizanagi at 11.17. Also in real world tag league action, we saw Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa get two points over Jin's Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto when Suwama used the last ride on Iwamoto at 21.30. And in the main event, Kento and Yuma Aoyagi beat Team ECW with the uh, when Aoyagi used the end game on Tajiri at 13.59, just a hair shy of uh, 14 minutes. I love the Giants and Jake and Koji. That was another great match. Again, very nice match. Uh, with Team ECW, I'm not sure how I feel overall. Like I get it's the ECW gimmick, but at the same time, does it feel like a little flat to you, per se? In, in in my view, it, it's been about 20 years, right, since they were, were a part of it. And so I suppose because it's like the 20th anniversary for, for them, essentially, I think Tajiri was in there till 2001. But let's say it's close enough to 2021 to be like the 20th anniversary of like ECW kind of shutting down. I kind of get it. It's the statute of limitations, but I don't want to see this team next year. I don't want to see this team next year. You know, th this 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 works for this year, but not for next year. So I was actually okay with it, especially since Masada Tanaka hasn't been in a real world tag league in quite some time. And I love Masada Tanaka. He's definitely proven that he can still go. You know, uh, he's done that multiple times in different promotions. I enjoyed this show. I enjoyed Giants and Jin. The next night of the Real World Tag League, which is the 29th, November 29th at Yamada Green Dome Mebashi, we saw, uh, I'm trying to look at, uh, we saw Ueki and Okada again in tag team action go up against Udamaro and Alejandro this time. And uh, these, are, again, are two... Uh, Two wrestlers from two different promotions, formerly of two different promotions, Ueki and Alejandro, working together in a tag match in uh, All Japan. And Okada and Ueki get the win when Ueki uses the Death Valley Bomb on Alejandro for the win at 8.48. And we also see the return of Revlon, who is a Lands In wrestler, who I really enjoy his work. He and Yotaka Yoshie, who was also returning to All Japan uh, after being away for a little while. I mean, he, he's not a regular, but he kind of just shows up here and there. He's a freelance wrestler. And Takao Mori, they lose to Suwama, Shuji Ishikawa, and Dan Tamura when Ishikawa uses the Fire Thunder on Revlon at 12.42. In real-world tag league action, Team ECW, Tajiri, and Masato Tanaka get the win over Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto. When Tanaka uses the sliding D on Awamoto at 9.17. Also in real world tag league action, Aizanagi and Shigehiro EDA, they get their first two points of the tournament with a win over Sekimoto and Abdullah Kobayashi of BJW when Aizanagi uses the Seminole inside cradle on Kobayashi for the win. And in the main event, we saw Kento and Yuma Aoyagi get two points with a win over the Strange Bedfellows team of Yoshitatsu and Dioji Sai at 22.56 when Kento used the shutdown German suplex on Yoshitatsu. Uh, I think this was the only one I did not want. I don't 
know why I was doing something over that over that time that I just, I just could not get a chance to watch it. So yeah, I think this was the only one that I had missed. Uh, what'd you think? I really, really thought Yuma and uh, Kento in a match with Dioji Sai and Yoshitatsu would have been a lot worse. So I have to say that the main event was actually a lot better than what I pictured it in my head. Having said that, uh, Sekimoto and Abby against uh, Purple Haze, it's a fun match. It's not exactly a great match, but I would I would check it out for the most part, you know, because it's only like 10, 10 and a half minutes. So that's worth watching. It's it's I, I get what you mean by it's flat with Team ECW because it's kind of like a one trick pony. They use the the Singapore canes and put people through tables and you know yeah it's it's it works because it's a twentieth anniversary kind of deal. But I think your point proves strong is here because I kind of felt like Tajiri and Tanaka definitely could have took Jin uh, to uh, a, a faster paced. A, a, a funner match overall, and, and you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call this a fun match. Comedic thing, especially with Asato coming back, or like, when was the last time he was in All Japan? It's, it's been a while. Yeah, you think it like make a good impression, maybe get a title match here with Tag, or maybe pin Sawaba in the events to get, to hype up the New Year. Like, stop it. Like, you figure you got Masato back, you figure you have a stronger return than this the last three nights of the real world tag league and nagoya international conference hall on the 4th of december a special six-man tag that was on this show was takao mori black menzore and konaka the pale one they team up to go, to go up and get a win over yusuke okada ishikiri the Ishi, returning ishikiri and so daimoniji of land's end uh, when Omori used the Axe Bomber on Okada at 8.06. Now, the pale one, Konaka, he got a chance to wrestle uh, with Kento earlier this year. And he's uh, kind of just shown up a couple of times here and there in all you know, all Japan. Uh, not, uh, not too distant uh, past. And so it was kind of fun seeing him around. He's, he's a very interesting, strange character. Uh, but definitely he's not somebody I would say is boring. Uh, we also got to see uh, Okuto Omori and Yusuke Kodama of Infanta Rible get a win over Udamaro and Alejandro, who again is taking the place of Aizanagi, who would have been Udamaro's tag partner during these matches. Kodama gets the win over Alejandro at 7-0-1 with the match splash. In real-world tag league action, we saw Yoshitatsu and Yoji Sai get the win over Aizanagi and Shigehiro EDA. At 9.52, when Yoshitatsu used the Yoshitatsu Fanatic on Aizanagi for the win. Tajiri, Masada Tanaka, Team ECW get two points over Ashino and Kumarashi of Infanterible at 6 minutes 48 seconds. <laughs> Tanaka used the Sliding D on Arashi for the win. Jake Lee and Koji Awamoto of Jin get two points over Daisuke Sekimoto and Abdullah Kobayashi of BJW. When Iwamoto used a ground cobra twist on Kobayashi at 11.39 for their two points. The main event for the evening was Kento and Yuma getting two points over Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa. When Kento pinned Shuji with the shutdown German suplex at 24.17.
and uh, a lot of a lot of big big matches on that one. I would definitely say there was uh, some things to definitely take into note. Uh, Matt, you want to you want to kind of go over that? This was a strong show. Uh, six man tag was special, as you said. Um, what you call it? I love Alejandro. I love him in the Russell One. I hope he gets a. I hope he signs with All Japan. He could definitely make a bigger impression. Main event was great. Uh, like you can't go wrong with either of them. And uh, yeah, uh, Kento again the pin by Dr. Suwama. So again, the only one that beat Suwama is Yoshi. Out of everyone. But this is still a great match. I, I love this match. And uh, definitely one of the better days overall, tournament-wise. Yeah, I, I would I would be inclined to agree. I think this was a fun show up and down. I would definitely say that Alejandro, as, as I said in his short time, the filling in the gap for Aizanagi has shown me, I you know, all Japan needs to grab this guy. If anybody there's to sign to a contract, there's no downside to this guy. You just sign him for a year or two, and I bet you more than you know, more than uh, more than likely, he's probably going to come away with some really good stuff, uh, really good matches. You know, could potentially be a contender to the junior heavyweight title. We are at the last two nights of the Real World Tag League, so let's let's punch through, and then we can get over to our talk with Fumi Saito about the the All Japan Noah split of uh, 2000. So let's get over this. The 5th of December at Mandajima Multipurpose Square saw the uh, the following matches from the Real World Tag League. First off. Uh, Francesco Akita gets a win over Alejandro with Meteora at 7.04. Again, Alejandro uh, making a really good impression, stepping in at the last minute for uh, Aizanagi. And so he's just proving himself to be uh, quite a you know uh, easy fit into the junior division for All Japan. In real-world tag league action, we saw Kento and Yuma get two points over Aizanagi and Shigehiro Iie. When Aoyagi used the end game on Aizanagi at 13 minutes, the next match was a real-world tag league match. Daisuke Sekimoto and Abdullah Kobayashi of BJW. They get two points over Yoshitatsu and Dioji Sai when Kobayashi used his Bakachinga elbow drop on Yoshitatsu at 13.09 for the win. Suwama Shuji Ishikawa get two points over Team ECW when Tajiri got trapped and put in a chin lock by Ishikawa for the tap out at 7.55. And in the main event, Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto of Jin get two points over Shotaro Ashino and Kuma Arashi when Jake Lee used the backdrop suplex on Arashi at 16.19. And so your standings at the end of regular play before we hit the final is... We have Kento, Yuma, they are at the top with Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto at 8 points. And Desuki Sekimoto and Abby Jr. right underneath them also at 8 points. Shotaro Shino Kumarashi at 6 points. Tajiri Masada Tanaka at 6 points. Suwama and Chuji Ishikawa, the runaway giants and defending world tag team slash double cup tag team champions at 6 points. 
Yoshitatsu and Dioji Sai at four points, and Aizanagi and Shigehiro EDA at two points. And so your main event, your Real World Tag League final, Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi going up against Jin's Jake Lee, Koji Iwamoto. Final night of the Real World Tag League is at Kurikin Hall, December 7th. We're going to go through the whole card. Takao Mori and Black Menzore team up with Atsuki Aoyagi in a fun match going up against Yusuke Okada, Shikara, and Takayuki Ueki. Also, like we mentioned, formerly of uh, BJW, when Omori gets the win with the Axe Bomber on Okada at 823. And, uh, of course, Chikata is uh, a Momota family member. He is a member of the Yoshitatsu Kingdom stable. Hokuto Omori, Koji Doi, and Yusuke Kodama of Infanterible, they get a win over Masanobu Fuchi, a returning Mitsuya Nagai, and Diyuki Honda when Omori used a lariat on Honda at 7.52. Hikaru Sato, Dan Tamura, and Ozamu Nishimura get the win over Ryuji Hichikata, Francesco Akira, and Rising Hayato when Sato used a capture-style cross-arm breaker on Hayato at 8.54 for the win. Masato Tanaka and Tajiri get two points over Aizanagi and Shigehiro EDA when Tanaka used the sliding D on Aizanagi, and this, when he laid into Aizanagi with that one, that probably was the one that looked the most painful in the whole tournament. <laughs> Yoshitatsu and Dyojisai get the win over Infanterible. Surprisingly, when Yoshitatsu used the Yoshitatsu Fanatic on Arashi to put his lights out at 11.02 for two points, Suwama and Shuji Ishikawa get two points over Team BJW, when Suwama uses the Manriki Sleeper at 1427 on Kobayashi for the win. And in the main event, Kento and Yuma Aoyagi get the win over Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto at 2834 when Aoyagi used the endgame at Lee. And I got to tell you, the, the, the entire show I watched live and I thought it was fantastic. And I got to say... The main event, the, that tag match, is something special. It really is, and I'm really glad that they're looking to push Yuma into the upper echelon of the heavyweight division. It's been a long time coming, and um, I'm, I was more than glad to see Yuma finally get that big win to kind of cement his place in the main event spot. You know, he's, he seems like he's a, a credible threat in the main events. So uh, that was, you know, that made me really happy, and... Um, yeah, congrats to the the winners of the Real World Tag League 2020, Kento and Yuma next stream. But, you know, I still wonder about Yuma and, you know, if he's really playing games with Kento. You know, he's making nice right now. You know, it's very interesting. We'll see what happens next. Uh, but, yeah, uh, great final. This is probably one of my uh, favorite tag matches. Uh, it's probably, yeah, it's probably one of my favorite tag matches of the year. Uh, Yuma wouldn't surprise me, but it was very much needed because he really needed to show he is that main eventer. So, but yeah, he needed this, uh, him team with Kento. Let's see how it goes. I'm glad to see that my pick actually won the tournament as I picked them as my prediction. So I'm happy with that result. 
That's right. You did pick them, didn't you? I d- I sure did. And had it, and 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 you. I mean, like, were you like just when you when you saw the match, were you just like you know jumping up and down and just like going nuts because you're like I I that was my pick. I picked it, God damn it. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I would have to say that now you have to wonder about the landscape of the title picture scene for both the World Tag Team belts as well as the Triple Crown titles. But we actually got some answers uh, involving that actually uh, not more, more than 48 hours after the, the, the event on the 7th. But uh, in addition to the, the 7th, there was also some uh, big news that came out about all Japan, and I mean, Matt, you wanna you wanna tell them about that? Talk about with, uh, Amazon Prime. Yes, sir. All right, yeah, there. All Japan will be partnering up with Amazon Prime to have some to have some shows exclusively exclusively the Japanese version of Amazon Prime. That is big news. Despite how you feel about Amazon as a company, they are still big money. Which they desperately need. Seems as though they have like exclusive shows, and you'd be able to rent them or purchase them uh, through Amazon Japan, uh, Amazon Prime Japan. Now, if you want to try to get in, in on this, and you're not in Japan, you're more than likely going to have to get a VPN and sign up for a uh, Amazon Japan account as well. But if you do that, let us know how easy it is, or if it wasn't easy to set up because i would definitely be interested once you hear this card you will be like okay i can see what the big deal is jake lee i koji Iwamoto, and yoki honda they are going to take on an all-star team lineup of masaki mochizuki of dragon's gate shinya aoki who is a uh i think he's a freelancer at this point right now and Hideki Suzuki, who has not been in All Japan in about six years. And so that was some pretty big news. I was really shocked about that. Uh, Suwama Shuji Ishikawa, the defending World Tag Team slash Double Cup Tag Team Champions, Runaway Giants, they will go up against a former All Japan wrestler in Akira Raijin and Violence Leather. Interesting name. And we got a special match with Kento Miyahara, teaming up with somebody who uh, was trained in the All Japan Dojo like 30, you know, 40 years ago, uh, Shiro Koshinaka. They will team up with another wrestler who is no stranger to All Japan in Akira, formerly of Wrestle 1. They will go up against the White 1-2-3 with Kenzo, former All Japan wrestler Kenzo and his wife Hiroko. Press conference on the 7th before the All Japan show and there were pictures of this floating around and so people were trying to piece together exactly what was going on and come to find out that, I mean, you know, I saw the pictures with Kento and Hideki Suzuki and Shinyaoki and Masaki Mochizuki and was like, oh man, I wonder what's going on with this and you know, the the announcement came out about Amazon Prime japan having this exclusive all japan show and uh, i hope it leads to to good things to uh for all japan you know a good relationship with them and i hope that you know we can be able to check this out or at the very least they'll be able to upload this to ajpw.tv sometime down the road and uh, yeah so uh also um the, the the title matches matt 
I mean, my goodness, we've got big title matches coming up in the beginning of January. There is actually big. There's actually uh, an update on the tag title match. Uh, if the Giants lose the tag titles, they will split up. That is it for them. Like Nobora Shuji and Suwama as a tag team. If they lose, that's putting some real skin in the game. You know, it's that's to say that they're gonna stake their career as a tag team on the line up against uh, an extreme. That's that's extreme for for not a team that is next stream. But yes, that's going to be on well, January well, you, 2nd. You, you did call that they would probably split up after 2020. Like, this would be the last run with the Tokyo Sports Awards. But because of the stipulation now... Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, I, I, I could see that. But I could also see um, Yuma betraying Kento. And Runaway Giants manage to stick around, you know, at least for another few more months, you know. Because um, I, I I don't think this thing with Yuma and Kento and that bad blood between them I I don't think it's over with I, I think that Yuma is taking I think he's taking Kento for a ride a couple of years back okay Suwama was trying to entice Kento to join in Evolution and it seemed like it was going to happen right. except. That they won the real world tag league only for Kento to basically turn away from Suwama and be like, Psych, I'm not gonna join. Psych, you know, he 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 I think he joined either <laughs> Exceed or that's when Next Stream got started. I'm a little fuzzy on that at the moment, but uh, I could definitely see shades of that, you know. Kento got Kento was the player then and now Kento is getting played by Yuma. I can see it happening because, you know, you're, you're going to wait for the perfect moment to screw over Kento. And what better moment than, you know, right when Kento is about to hit the shutdown, you know, German suplex on Ishikawa again. And then all of a sudden Yuma just runs in with the thrust kick and everybody's like, what the hell? And Yuma just gets out of there. And uh, the next day, got a triple crown championship match against Suwama for the day after. Um, again, I figured Yoshi still could have got it because he's the only one in the tag league that beats Suwama. And uh, if it's leading to Yuma betraying Kento, then it makes sense. But if not, shouldn't the person that beat the champion get the championship match? Because it happened with uh, Kai and then Jake back-to-back with Kento when he was champion. But now with this, it's not happening. So part of me says, I don't get it. I guess I just hate Yoshi. That's the case. He shouldn't have beat Suwama in the tag league. And I think Yuma probably should have got that victory. This was going to be the case. I think you got a strong point there. Uh, normally, uh, traditionally, you see somebody get the win over the Triple Crown champion in the real world tag league. They come and they challenge for the belt in January or sometime around then. And... I think maybe they just wanted to break with tradition. Besides, Yuma was the one who got the win for his team in the Real World Tag League, the the, the last match with uh, Jake Lee and uh, Koji Iwamoto. And so, in my view, it's like... It, it's Yuma getting rewarded for the win. He got the win, right? He got the win, and, and Kento you know, could have been like, well, you know, yeah, I, I want the title shot, but obviously, 
you know they're not trying to go down that road right now they're, they're keeping the 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 they're keeping i would say they're keeping the the belt away from kento is wise very very wise right now they don't need to give him any belts which also is the thing that leads me to believe that they're not going to win the tag belts because i i i dig kento not having any titles but still showing that he's a, a dominant wrestler right you need that you know he doesn't need the titles okay this is the time to elevate others it really is and yuma could be that one that is going to be elevated and you're you're, you're putting him in a position to say okay well guess what the yuma uh kento feud that could go out through the entire next year I could see it. I really could because they could battle it out in the real world tag league in the carnival. Yuma has the ability to really be the next asshole heel in all Japan. And he's a credible heavyweight. He's groomed by Akiyama. He's got a great skill set. He's a very adept as a wrestler. And I think if you're smart, you got to go and say, okay, 2021 you put everything on Yuma because he's already a crowd favorite. They already like him. Now let's see how they'll like him as an asshole heel, right? And you have him and Kento at the other, you know, at odds with each other. And Kento, you know, is going to need a new tag partner because Yuma is not going to tag with him anymore. And Yuma is going to need a new tag partner. And so the, the thing is, is these are questions that they can answer down the road. Like, I, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't mind, you know, DOG Sai working with yuma right i would not mind that because dog sai is a pretty utility guy but who would kento team up with that's the crazy thing that's who you gotta you know think about who, who who could he team up with right he he's on his own right and so you gotta wonder okay can you make yuma versus kento the feud of 2021 like the the, the attraction of all japan and i think you could but it'll be interesting to see if the Triple Crown is involved in that, right? Because there's no saying that if Kento and Yuma lose the tag title match, Yuma can't lose the, the Triple Crown title match. It just means that the rivalry starts like right there in that tag title match because Kento could come out and, you know, cost, you know, uh, cost Yuma the belt. It's really hard to say. Oh, yeah, if this is going to be the outcome, like, like Riley Rise, then, yeah, Yuma getting the match makes sense. But I just hope it is that and not just a one-off being that match, lose, and then not touch it again or do anything till God knows when. But, yeah, if they want, if they want to start Kento and Yuma, then, yeah, do it on January 2nd could be the start. And you could probably drag this out for a good eight to ten months if you do it right instead of just doing it right away you could definitely plan this out for a good 80 percent of this year but again they have to be smart about this and if they do it right it's going to be big it's going to be one of the biggest feuds next to when kento with jake they'll be talking about yuma more than jake yeah i could see that i could totally see that i, I think that you you got a lot you have a lot of potential with young heavyweights which is a good thing right you know uh, there's, a, there's a youth movement in all japan right now 
I mean, you got Suama. He is the 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 top dog, right? But the thing is, as things are shifting, you know, he he he's the last of his guard, uh, the last of his, you know, like the, he's the last of the the old, yeah, the old Muto era, right? He's still he's the last bastion. So after that, it's like you've got a lot of youth, and, and it seems like it seems like they're moving in a, a different direction uh, than uh, Noah, who seems to be putting a lot of faith into building up Muto versus. Shiozaki, and I'm not going to say anything more than that, but you have to wonder if it's going to, uh, you know, be if that's going to be the feud of 2021 is uh, Yuma versus Kento, because right now it doesn't seem like it, but a good swerve is something that uh, a, a lot of wrestling fans, you know, would appreciate from globe, uh, from all around the globe. So uh, last two pieces of uh, of uh, news is that uh, Naoya Ogawa. Okay, who is a very controversial figure in MMA and pro wrestling in general. The mm-hmm. pupil of Antonio Inoki, the guy behind, um, you know, the, the guy that was um, NWA world champion. And he has just done this, that, and the other hustle. He shows up and he shows up at the press conference for the All Japan, uh, Amazon Japan video uh, press conference and it's announced that Ogawa is going to do commentary for that show and Suwama gets into his face and they kind of have a bit of a, a standoff and at the, at the show uh, Ogawa shows up and he's going to do commentary, a little bit of commentary there and if um, um, I might be mistaken, he might not have done commentary at that show but he definitely came out and attacked uh, Kenzo Suzuki when Kenzo Suzuki came out and made the announcement about the All Japan getting on uh, Amazon Japan video with his wife, who is strange, strangely dressed, and Kenzo came out in his old ring gear and got hit with an STO by Naoya Ogawa. Ogawa came to the ring and uh, you know said his piece and left. And it'll be interesting to see where this goes with. Now, yeah, Ogawa in the future, uh, he's definitely somebody who's got a legit background in judo. It's probably one of the finest judokas Japan has ever produced. And so there's that to think about. And, you know, Japan, all Japan has had relationships with judo wrestlers. Koji Awamoto is one, and he's a current World Junior Heavyweight Champion. And finally, we want to go and give you the uh, lineup for... Prime Night, okay, which is the uh, show, the next show coming up, which is on the 13th, which <laughs> we should hopefully be uh, uploading this on the 13th or maybe the 12th. We'll find out. But uh, they'll give yeah. you the rundown of the card. Tajiri and Francesco Akira, the student and mentor, are going to mix it up in the opener. Masanobu Fushi, Koji Awamoto, and Ryuki Honda, they're going to go up against Purple Hazes, Zeus, and Aizanagi and Utamaro. Suwama, Shuji Ishikawa, and Hikaru Sato of Evolution, they will go up against Kento, Yuma, and a very special guest, a very controversial figure himself in the last few years, if I may say so. Sima, the 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 leader of OEW, the leader of Strong Hearts, he makes his first appearance in All Japan for some time. And it is going to be a fantastic match. We got a killer lineup there. 
Yoshitatsu Yusuke Okada in his final match in All Japan uh, as a as a full time wrestler. Uh, and Chikata of Yoshitatsu Kingdom, they will go up against Jun Kasai, Masashi Takeda, and Kenji Fukimoto of Freedoms. Now, Takeda is no stranger to All Japan as he has tagged with um, the former Aizanagi Atsushi Maruyama. They are friends and they have won the Junior, bag ta- sorry, junior Tag Battle of Glory not too long ago and i'm a really big fan of takeda so i'm really happy to have him back i'm a big fan of june kasai as well uh, he's one of the biggest deathmatch stars in japan right now so yeah people are going to want to see him that's good that they go on want people to buy a ticket yeah most definitely and, and kasai had been threatening to make the match like a deathmatch style of wrestling and you know all japan is not really you know it's not it's not an, a deathmatch promotion it doesn't have death matches it's had some Violent stuff, sure, but, you know, not a deathmatch-based promotion. And so, uh, Kasai, being a troublemaker that he likes to be, he threatened to, at first, have a deathmatch, deathmatch style of match, and uh, eventually he got backed off of that and uh, said that he would prepare a deathmatch style to wrestle a regular style match. And so, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. We are going to see... Did Casey Yoshi do a death death match? Yoshi Tatsu do a death match? I could. Really? Well, I mean, he he's. But DC going well? No, no, definitely not going well. But I do see him. I I would see him trying it at least. You know. For the for the Hawaiian Intercontinental Championship. For the the chicken nugget Hawaiian chicken nugget eating title. Yes, that's what I call it. Yes. Oh, yes. That book it match of the year right there. Fire. Minus five stars. And, right. and we have we will see the first All Japan six-man... I'm sorry, the first AJPW.TV six-man tag team title. Uh, we will see the first champions crowned in the decision match between Takawamori, Black Mizore, and Carvel Ito. They go up against Dioji Sai, Revlon, and Sai, So uh, Daimonji So of lands in that should be a pretty fun match love that trio of lands in wrestlers omori always brings it black men's day has been his second banana has been fun at times and carbo ito he is fun to watch as well we have dan's great adventure dan tamura of evolution he is gonna get a <laughs> a crash course in um submission wrestling and being tossed around by Shotaro Oshino. We will see Jake Lee in a plus ultra match. Jake Lee goes up against Atsuki Aoyagi. And in the final, we have Hokuto Omori of Infanterible going up against Kyohei Sato. Sato has competed in All Japan in the past. He's no stranger, but this will be the first time away from his former home of zero one which he left not too long ago this will be his first appearance for all japan since leaving and folks are wondering if sato will be somebody who could be you could project him into the 2021 forecast for all japan because he's a freelancer and he's you know he's done a lot he's he's won numerous titles he's been a top title he's been a, a main event guy for a couple of different promotions and so folks are wondering if he's going to enter the 
Champions Carnival, if he's going to be a Triple Crown contender. Uh, you know, it, it would be nice to have him around because he is a, you know, he, he's a very good heavyweight for what you kind of uh, expect out of him. He's a, just a big guy. He can beat you up. He's very good at throwing you around. Um, he is formerly a tag partner of Shuji Ishikawa in the Twin Towers. They were BJW Tag Team Champions. They're actually going to challenge uh, astronauts, which are to, uh, uh, Nomura and Abe, uh, BJW Tag Team Champions. That's going to be a, a pretty fun match to watch as well. Oh, yeah. Z Zeus got tested a couple of times. One was positive, and recently... He is COVID-free. He is negative. He's clear to be wrestling. We don't know when his next match is, but ha fantastic news that he is COVID-free and ready to return to the ring. Yes, that's right. Uh, a few days before the final night of the Real World Tag League, the card went out for it. It was announced that Zeus was uh, was not uh, did not have COVID. He had negative tests in back-to-back -back succession and so he was relieved we were relieved everybody was relieved i'm sure and so as matt mentioned we're not 100 percent sure when zeus will be back but we're just happy to hear that he is covid free yeah that does it up for um for the, the events and news in december we managed to get through it let's take a quick break and then we're going to head over to our other segments as well, the talk with Fumi Saito and part two of our interview with Tayokea. This is Matt and Dave. Matt and myself had the great opportunity of talking with the Wonderful Fumi Saito, who has been covering Japanese pro wrestling for a couple of decades now. And so he is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he is uh, somebody that is on a Pacific Rim podcast. He does uh, other little uh, appearances and other podcasts. He's uh, just somebody who is a great mind for, for pro wrestling and loves talking wrestling, is wrestling historian. And so we want to get you over to that interview right away. And when we come back from that, we will close it up with part two of our interview with Hayokea. And then we will be getting out of here. So let's get to that right away, Matt. So let's get to it. Hey, guys, how's it going? This is Dave the Drummer here with my good buddy, Matt Sopricon. We are uh, here. We are the hosts of Suama Station, the official podcast of all japan worldwide fan group we want to thank you all for joining us here we have a very special interview that i'm, I'm super delighted to bring to you along with matt uh fumi saito who is a very respected japanese reporter for pro wrestling over the last 20 plus years he's here with us today and we're here to talk about probably one of the biggest news events if not the biggest news event in wrestling in japanese pro wrestling in in 20 years the the noah all japan split so this is we're, we're still on 2020 we're, we're in december of 2020 as we're we're taping right now but uh we wanted to make sure that we got this story out to the folks that are very not very not very familiar with the the story of all japan and new japan splitting up and i figured who else would be really good at being able to kind of uh 
talk about that and give some great details at length and somebody who was there in real time seeing it as it you know all kind of goes down i asked a friend of mine fumi saito to come on the show and uh fumi thank you so much for joining us yeah. awesome uh so um yes so uh fumi uh, for for the fans that are not familiar uh with yeah. uh your you know your name there are some folks that are familiar with uh different uh um publications and online uh, social media presences and, and, and different podcasts that you are uh you've worked with over time but uh could you tell us uh, our fans a little bit about yourself myself okay oh i've been a wrestling reporter i've been writing wrestling since 1981 wow <laughs> yeah. amazing and weekly yeah weekly pro wrestling yeah and my own column it's called boys will be boys and also done a lot of interviews with all the superstars from Carl Gotch, Luthes to the Funks, Brody, Stan Hansen, Nick Bockwinkel, Road Warriors, Bret Hart, you name it. Yes. Well, great honor to have you here. Yes. So. And uh, also, um, yeah, I've always, you know, followed everything pretty much. And uh, I've been watching wrestling since I was three years old. So. Just like the rest of us. <laughs> At least me, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we got a lot to share. Let's go ahead and, and get right to it. We know for a fact that the split itself happens in, in 2000, uh, early yeah. summer of 2000. Now, we, we know it happens in 2000, the split, but I'm sure so there are like things where happening. where it began. Yes, where yeah, did it well, begin? It will not give you like really simple one answer thing. It's um, All Japan Pro Wrestling was founded by Jan Baba, you know, started 1972, okay? And it was the biggest traditional, you know, Japanese wrestling, but Jan Baba was a promoter and wrestler and the kind of promoter, like a very um, old-fashioned NWA style, you know, National Wrestling Alliance era. And Baba was a promoter that brings in all the big, you know, biggest name. Biggest name from America, the Funks, the Hardy Race, the, you know, all, pretty much everybody, okay? And there were always two big companies in Japan. Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling and Giant Baba's Old Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. And FMW, the, that uh, UWF, you know, shoot style, the, all these things came after, okay? And FMW's Onita School of Wrestling. It came from Giant Baba's school of wrestling, okay? Yeah, because Onita, you know, started his career when he was 15 years of age, washing Baba's back, carrying Baba's suitcase, you know? And also all the UWF style, shoot style, came out of Antonio Inoki New Japan Pro Wrestling School. You know, you know Inoki is a wrestler who had a famous Muhammad Ali fight back in 1976. You know that one, do you? Mm-hmm. And Baba's philosophy and Inoki's philosophy, two, two different school of wrestling. Giant Baba, traditional pro wrestling. And Inoki wanted to, people to think his stuff is real. You know what I'm saying? Therefore, yeah. he had all these, um, so not quite MMA, but uh, he was doing something like this when there was no term MMA. And, all these, shoe, basically. and also Korogach School of Wrestling, the most legitimate, the closest thing to legitimate fight. The, 
the group of wrestlers like Maeda, Takada, the Funaki, Minoru Suzuki, all these guys came out of Inoki Wrestling School and debuted with New Japan, but carried on Inoki philosophy to make wrestling real or more real. You know, then therefore, therefore, UWF, the rings, the pancreas, the, all these things came out of it. That's the basic, very basic history of it. And Baba died in January, January of 1999. Okay. Uh, right. Actually, that was a time that the ultimately, eventual, you know, eventually that the company was split into two groups or three groups. Um, Giant Baba's Old Japan Pro Wrestling was more of a mom and papa company, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Baba ran it. Are you following right. it? Yes. Very old-fashioned, like your Central State Kansas City or NWA Florida or, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Vergania, AWA. When wrestling was run by wrestling promoter, wrestler, and booker, and more of a family operation business, just gotten bigger, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling it was more about company company, you know, similar to McMahon you know style. Yeah. Right. Anyhow, John Papa died when he was sixty, you know, six one years old, January of nineteen ninety nine. Okay. And who was going to be the boss? That's a big question, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, well, of course, Mrs. Baba was going to run it and which she did and naturally jumbo truda should be the next president right but he um he was also sick you know and uh, he was in and out of ring and also you know his um he wanted to he was a type that uh, he Jumbo is from, you know, 1972 Munich Olympic, very amateur type of person. And also he was more on his own, you know, thing. And he did not really inherit the All Japan Pro Wrestling Company. And he went back to school and became professor. Yeah. Yeah. Then, uh, well, then uh, Jumbo also dies in, you know, the following year, 2000, at the age of... Age of you know forty seven that changed a lot of things, <clears throat> but it, there was a you know there was a struggle among wrestlers you know the king giant Baba right King died you know and group of wrestlers I hate to say this but the group of wrestlers a lot of them secretly hated the queen all along right. yeah it's a kingdom you know King mm-hmm. died you know the wrestling remains. All the members, you know, the Misawa, Kobashi, Kawada, Taue, all the other other guys, or even Americans, Stan Hansen and his guys, they're all still working, right? Who is going to be the boss? You will need boss. This time it's different because Giant Baba was the boss, president, and the booker in the dressing room. The real boss. Mm -hmm. In wrestling, you have creative end of it, and the business end of it, right? Giant mm-hmm. Baba was all in one, but now he's gone. That the, who's gonna take over the dressing room? Who's gonna be the president of the company? Who's gonna do this and do that? And uh, there was no one boss anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, they were, we're, 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 learning, we're learning so much bit, as you yeah, talk. You guys are a little bit younger than I am, so I'm just trying to, you know, make you like easily understand the whole layout of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but you would think Jambotsura would be the guy, right? Absolutely. But he did not want to do it, you know? And he went back to school and got his master and he became professor for real, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he didn't really continue his professional wrestling saga. You know, he went with his life, which is good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mrs. Baba wanted Mitsuo Momota to be the president. And Jumbo mm -hmm. wanted Misawa as a president and the booker. Right. The philosophy is the boss, boss and the booker in the dressing room, you know, as a dressing room leader and the ace quarterback should be the same person. That's Jumbo. Mrs. Baba thought the company president should be somebody older, therefore Mitsuo Momota. But uh, uh, Jumbo asked Mrs. Baba, uh, be, right before he left the company, make Misawa the president. And therefore, Misawa became the president of All Japan Pro Wrestling after Baba died, you know? Right. But uh, then, then it's Mrs. Baba against Misawa then. I mean, you know how this power struggle thing goes? Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, nobody really choose, you know, Mr. Momota as president. You know, it was Mrs. Baba, Motoko Baba's idea, you know. Some, somebody veteran you know, should be running, you know, a company or something. And But the wrestler's mentality, well, probably today is too, that your ace quarterback, dressing room leader is your boss. They're athletes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, wrestling, yeah, you say a lot of things about professional wrestling, um, actors, characters, and, and uh, all, all the drama and the soap opera. But at the end of the day, they are all athletes. They think like athletes. Yeah. Therefore, Misawa, yeah, uh, became the leader. He was what? He was... Before 40 years of age, yeah, 30-something still. and But uh, everybody's choosing, yes, Misawa naturally was the leader of the park. Right. But uh, the money, whose money is this? This is Mrs. Baba's. Exactly. Yeah. So this was going to happen, you know. When King was alive, a lot of wrestlers secretly hated the queen. But it was okay because Baba was there, Jumbo was there, Misawa and all his guys were there, Stan Hansen, Johnny Ace, everybody was there. It's a great package, you know, that the great in the roster of talent running, what, six, seven Budokan shows a year. Every 150 one. shows a year and just nine, ten tour, you know, long tours a year on national television, you know, network television and, and TV, Channel 4. Healthy, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, so um, it was naturally coming down to Mrs. Baba against Mitsuharu Misawa. Not childish fight, but mature business decision making. Part of me believed that after Jan Baba died, um, Mrs. Baba didn't really have this much of, um, like, wasn't so enthused as that, you know? Like, had no desire. <laughs> Uh, right, because she was never a wrestling fan, you know. It was just kind of like a very romantic story that Mrs. Baba, Motoko Baba was 17, 
when he met 19-year-old Jan Baba when he was pitching for Giants, baseball player. Right. Yeah, Baba was 19, Motoko was 17. They, they, they were together next 50 years. You know what I'm saying? It was their life, you know. And uh, when Baba died, she didn't, I don't think she really wanted to continue with this wrestling company thing, you know. But they didn't know when to quit. It mostly did because because her husband loved it. Mm. Yeah, but he's not there though anymore, you know. Right. And the Mister and Missus Baba didn't have a you know didn't have a child, you know. So all the boys were like their ch- children. Would Misawa and all his crew listen to Missus Baba like when Baba was around? It was gonna be a confrontation sooner or later because Missus Baba is not wrestler. What would you think was like the last straw? That made Misawa decide that he was gonna leave. Yeah, that came yeah, up. Like, um, I don't think there was more than uh, just one. One of the reasons probably was that Misawa got blessing from Channel Four. If you go independent and uh, have have another company, the t- television network, television, NTV will go with you. There was a blessing. Uh, uh, I I never stopped to think about that, but that makes a hundred percent. Uh, that that jives. With everything, because if you've got the TV network at, at your side, if they if, if they got your back, then that ultimately means you can make the call to do what you want to do, rather than we have to wait for somebody to give us the approval to make that jump. So it's like as soon as they found out, it's like, hey, we're good and clear. We can make this thing happen. I, I've never thought about that before. Yeah, like uh, where we, we are again. Yeah, we're the so funny much. thing is, though, it, initial idea, you know, his plan was to just take two or three guys and start small company and start from scratch. Just right. three or four guys on his own and then build a company from the scratch like Jan Baba did 30 years back. Then uh, when he the word got around, every single wrestlers but Kawada and Fuchi, ring announcer, ring crew, the truck driver, the concession guys, production guys, every single one of them wanted to come with Misawa. See, when you have the company split like this, big company, it's, if not 50-50, it's like a 40-60 or 30-70. You know what I'm saying? This time, see, Misawa wasn't even planning on it. He was going to take three or four of his guys, like Ogawa or Kobashi or a couple other guys, and start from very small and try, you know, like try to build a company, right. a new company. But uh, when word got, to, you know, got around that uh, I want to come, I want to come, I want to come, I'm, I'm joining you, I'm joining you. It's all of a sudden, it's like 99 to 1. From everyone. It's quarterback, yep. It makes sense to me why then um, they're based out of, they were based out of differ, Ariaki, right? Because then that's why, because right. there would have been a small, a, a small, a small promotion, even smaller than Noah, if it had just been the three or four or five guys that Misawa initially envisioned. Because Differiaki is not a very big venue, especially if you have a roster that size. So that actually kind of that lines up pretty good. Wow. Yeah, does it make sense? And also, Difa yeah, Ariaki was new building then. It's no longer, but Difa Ariaki just got opened as, as a new venue. And also, Noah had office there in there in that building. It was a landlord, you know. Just let them, you know, use the, you know, the building as an office too. So they had Noah's very first office was in that building. Uh, it was good building, you know, like two thousand people, and and uh, but it's in the way out in Tokyo Bay area. It's not very good place, you know. It's not Korakuen Hall by any means. Right. In the middle of, yeah. 
And but now the, it's a, a, a car lot, right? It's a, it's a car lot. They were going to use it for the Olympics, and then, you know, that didn't go through. And now right. it's, yeah. And also it's like uh, Ariake and Odaiba, the area is like a Tokyo Bay area, and half the place is landfill. Yeah, it's a Tokyo, it's like a city is expanding into more and more towards Tokyo Bay, you know, because city within Tokyo, like look at it like a Manhattan. It's not that big, you know. But it's crammed with 12 million people, <laughs> you know. The development, you know, all the new building go towards Tokyo Bay. And Ariake was a part of it, you know. And, uh, yeah, still is. Anyhow, that uh, you would think that when the company split like this, it would be like either 50-50 or 40-60 or 30-70 at most. But it right. was everybody, ring announcer, referees, the ring crew, the concession guy, production guy, office worker, almost everybody. Okay, right. So you would think all Japan that the old all Japan pro wrestling, Mrs. Baba's company, would go down, huh? I'm pretty sure there was like a scare with that, like wondering what's gonna happen. And around the same time, yes, Jumbo passed away. Uh, right. um, yeah, at the age of 47, he had cancer, and, and he probably had it for years, but didn't tell anybody about it. You know, so it came off really shocking. Although. Odd, odd timing. So the Baba dies in '99, and Jumbo dies 2000. It like almost like externally, like a brand new era happened without any force. As, or maybe it was, I don't know. It's like a strange way to think about it, but the, that's how history was written. You know, Baba dies. The Jumbo Truda, another icon, dies the following like the year. Biggest star they had. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and the Misawa the '90s superstar becomes the real boss opening up his own company right brand right. new era yeah what, I, was so, we, yeah, we what was so interesting is though that's when mrs baba decided to run his her own all japan pro wrestling no i ain't quitting you know and hey, this is war yeah toshiaki kawada and masafuchi were the only two wrestlers remained with his company well right? there was there's, there was also i want to jump in because we we, we interviewed him taiokea was also there, right? right because he was a part of the yeah. dojo. He trained, Sawa, so he's kind of one of Misawa them. Misawa always thought Taiyokir, Manakea Mossman, was Baba's boy and Mrs. Baba's boy. And, you know, they discovered him in Hawaii. You know, they had right. a condominium in Hawaii between tours. They go to Hawaii and stays like a second home. And Taiyokir was a nephew of King Curtis. King Curtis. Yes. He did mention that, yeah. Yeah, King Curtis was a friend of Baba's, you know, so they're like relatives, you know. And Misawa didn't really think, you know, Taiyokea would come. Around that time, he was back in Hawaii, you know, so he wasn't never a part of plan. But uh, yes, um, naturally, Taiyokea was Mrs. Baba's boy. So it's three. Right. That, that's when Mrs. Baba made a phone call to Genichiro Tenru. Yeah, when he like wasn't technically like allowed back. Yeah, after 10 years or so. I needed I, I, the main event guy. Question yeah. for you. I have heard that Tiger Quijada was actually the guy that brokered M Baba and Tenryu like basically coming to like a like to talking right because there's all that bad blood right but I had heard that uh, Tiger Quijada was uh, was a, a you know he Tenryu liked him Mrs. Baba trusted him and so I heard he was the middleman for that do you do you have any light you can shed on that or is there any truth to that uh, look at it th this way this way Mrs. Baba wouldn't pick up a phone and call Tenru. She would have someone call 
him for her. Right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Well, middleman sounds way too important. Yeah, well, but, but that's the handyman. Way too low, you know that the uh, Taiga Kihara is also a veteran. You know, he, he was yeah. He started out as a ring crew and he worked for the company and he worked his way up to second ring announcer and also he was the charge of all the sound, PA system and all these sound. He's the only one knows how to run the you know music and the sound and speakers right. and all these things at the building. He still does that today. And also, very important, another important figure, more so than uh, Tiger, is Kohei Wada. Yeah, S- senior referee. Yeah, he had a very important role. And also, um, if people don't know much about Kohei Wada, um, he was a main referee for the tenure that uh, you guys call it fourth pillar of heaven. Yeah, that's translation. It's Shtenno. Shtenno. Yeah, Shtenno oh. means. Yeah, means four emperors. Ah, yeah, that's yeah four. Yeah, four pillars of heaven is very much you know that uh, translated. You know, and I didn't hear about this for you know until a couple of years ago. And I said, "What's that? What's that?" And I yeah, it's a last little bit nuance in translation. I think. Yeah, I thought that's it was <laughs> four emperors: Misawa, Kawada, Kobashi, Taue. Misawa against Kawada, the Misawa against Kobashi, the Kobashi against Kawada, the Kawada against Taue. Oh. You, know, you have all that, right? Oh yeah, we have yeah. all those. Every, for, for, for me, yeah, every you, single one of those matches was refereed by Kyohei Wada. The senior referee until then was a Joe, you know, late Joe Higuchi. Giant Papa's number one referee. Joe Higuchi couldn't handle all those big high spots anymore. You know, Misawa against Kobashi, the Misawa against Kawada, the Kawada against Kobashi. You think about that. You go through those 15, 20, 25 minute long high spot that you have to remember that Joe Higuchi couldn't do that uh, it was Kyohei Wada's time that he can handle all those. So he was just every bit as important as those four guys. Absolutely agree. Agreed. Yeah. And also, he was usually driving Mr. and Mrs. Baba's car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, Lincoln Continental. I mean, right, they right. sound almost cliche, but uh, they had nice cars, okay? But right. Baba, uh, uh, Baba or Mrs. Baba wouldn't drive unless it's absolutely necessary. Usually, like somebody. <laughs> yeah. To drive. And actually, Kyohei Wada was always driving their cars every day. You're like a number one guy. <laughs> you know, so um, um, Misawa did not, they're friends, great friends, but the, Misawa did not really tell Kyohei Wada much about the detail, thinking that uh, Kyohei might tell Baba. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just, they're friends though, don't get me wrong. But the, on this going, you know, all the guys quitting and the forming company and all the little details and dates and all this, he could not tell Kyohei about it. In a business aspect, yes. <laughs> yeah. Therefore, Kyohei Wada stayed with the company too. And also the day all the you know guys resigned and made the first move, Kyohei was driving Mrs. Mrs. Baba's car that day. And also, I believe that the Kyohei Wada was going to be very loyal to the company, and he is still All Japan Pro Wrestling Company, you know, today, twenty years later. Right. He's still there. Yes, he is. Just, yeah, right. I mean, you know, his relationship with Kento alone, like when you get when you watch the matches, it's 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 too good. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's it's too good. <laughs> Love their counters. Yeah, because referee knows more about this than him. You know, <laughs> he's yeah. like he's like 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 you're nothing. Like slaps him. <laughs> yeah. 
so the back to the, the okay, we, we gotta rewind the tape a little bit. That uh, so sure, sure, they sure. Uh, that was right when Mrs. Baba said, "No, I am quitting. We gotta keep this all Japan pro wrestling going." And you have Kawada, you have Masafuchi, you have Taiyo Care. Then we'll we'll get the Tenru back and all the you know like uh, good independent guys like you know Jinsei Shinzaki, Hakushi. Other few guys that, that uh, and all the whole the call up bunch of American wrestlers, we can have show and keep going. You know what I'm saying? Right. Steve Williams, yeah, but right around the time that was when he was start getting sick. Right. You know, it's like this fate and this this has very strange twist. You know. All the older guys who were at their prime in late 90s into 2000s, that the one by one they start like, they yeah, they go their own way, you know, have to deal with their own lives, you know. And that's probably uh, that's when Stan Hansen decided to put a hat, you know, like well, the time for him to, you know, like really, really retire. Then he did retire in 2001, right? Stan Hansen? I believe around that, yes. So that was a yeah, end of an era for sure and the beginning of an era. And it's a new century. It's very symbolic. Does That's that right. make sense? And, and not, yes, and not too much sense. Yeah, not, not too much longer after that is when uh, we get the first appearance of uh, uh, Muto in, right. all, in all Japan. And then once that happens, it's like everything changes. And it changes like in a blink of an eye because he, you know, he, he just shows up and then he he wins well, the triple he crown, you know. Two thousand one as a freelancer, you know. See, right. he, that, that was I, that was where I was a little confused at because it's like okay, we, we did, yeah, but, Muto did not officially join All Japan until two thousand two. During the course, during the course of two thousand one, he was technically under still under New Japan contract. Yes. Hmm. And also was working in the States, too. The previous year was dying day of WCW. Oh, I totally remember that. I, I lost my mind when he lost the, when he won the tag belts uh, with Vampiro in WCW. It was only for like a day, but I was like, oh, my God, the Muda got yeah. to win more belts. <laughs> yeah, he was the one of the one of those people. Muto, I'm talking about Keiji Muto. Right. He was one of those people. He witnessed my like a firsthand experience. He really witnessed the dying day of WCW. Yeah, yeah. He knew months ahead of time. Like he was, I spoke with him that summer, uh, summer of 2000, uh, 99, 2000, that uh, this company is going down, he said. So that's when uh, Power to Be, Angle, and all these important names are quitting. And they put guys like uh, whomever, what what Sample's name, uh, you know what I'm saying? Definitely going down. And he understood that this is how not to run business, you know? Yeah. And then uh, he shaved his head with new appearance and he started, you know, coming back to Japan. And uh, another key person was Hiroshi Hase. It was Hiroshi Hase's basic idea to have Muto come into all Japan. He was already a politician then, but never retired. And he always come back and make, um, you know, few matches a year. Yeah, All Japan wrestler. But he was, Hiroshi Hase had a, a very interesting role in this too. He told Misawa that he'll join later. And he told 
Mrs. Baba that he he's staying. That's uh, a <laughs> that's mind blowing. Yeah, but the, he 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 has to look after himself too. Right, doesn't and he's a politician. Him. He's a politician, but he he's uh he has this power, not a power, but uh, this strategy or well, also you know, very good friend with you know, Muto. You know, they told Muto is like, how about this idea going to work for all Japan? You know, right? Yeah. And think about this New Japan roster then that you have enough top-notch main event and main events, you know, card and lineup and storyline and everything that the way would Muto fit in. That's why he left the company in the first place two years back. That know? makes a lot of sense because I, I remember distinctly uh, on his way out uh, when he was still uh, IWGP heavyweight champion right before he drops it. He's like starting to do this weird kind of pseudo shooter kind of deal. He starts using the cross arm breaker because uh, uh, all the guys in Pride they're starting to become even more famous than the pro wrestlers. You know, uh, 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 the MMA is the, the bubble is is still building, and so you've got all these huge you know guys and the, they do Pride, and then they go and do I'm sorry they do pro wrestling, and then they go into Pride, and it sort of like puts their stock Lose up really high, you know. Mm. And so yeah, I, and it, I remember and Muto the, winning the. There the, was an influence on Anthony Noki's part then that that uh, he would send New Japan wrestler into another company, MMA company. It's a shoot situation; you might lose. And as a matter of fact, a lot of you know, like so-called shooter type wrestlers, like you know Nagata, Kendo, you know Kendo Kashin or Nakanishi, legitimate college wrestling champions. They go out there and kind of lose it, you know, and. Uh, yeah, that was beginning beginning of Japanese dark, you know, dark age of you know professional wrestling. You thought that during like a mid to late nineties, Nobuhiko Takada was top of the mountain, right? Right. And have mat two Tokyo Dome match with you know Hickson Gracie lose both of them, and another a couple of years later, the, the the king of Pancras. Funaki, Masakatsu Funaki have another Tokyo Dome match against Hickson Gracie. He loses it. It's like, oh my gosh, what happened to pro wrestling, right? And in in the, the general pub, not just hardcore wrestling fans, but the general public guys, when MMA Pride and K1 was getting bigger, it's like, what if wrestling was real? It would not look like that. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, right. no, I get what Absolutely. you mean. Yeah, and then a lot of people started running those. Uh, they didn't have the term MMA yet, but it was like a professional fight, or yeah, you just have like some name for it, you know, no horse barred something. Right, and they two fight. People, yeah, body two though. Like yeah, body two though. Yeah, that too. And not just New Japan wrestlers, but the people like Bam Bam Bigelow in Japan, you know, going up against guys like Kimo. Right, Bam Bam Bigelow loses it. Oh my God, you know. <laughs> And uh, that was the beginning of the dark age. Anyhow, that uh, Muto came back to Japan to test the water, right? Right. The idea was that the, it would be better for Muto to voluntarily work for 2001 version of All Japan Pro Wrestling you know, as a freelancer. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, pretty much made a uh, lot of dream match come true. Tenru against Keiji Muto, 
um, Muto against Kawada and stuff like that. That that was still dream dream match then. All those things happen. Right, because All Japan and New Japan hadn't worked together in, in some time at that point. It'd been like almost ten years since yeah, Wrestle Summit. That was two thousand one. Secretly, New Japan tried to buy Motoko Baba's All Japan. Mm. Uh, what was the offer they had? I have no idea. Mm. But, uh, New Japan tried to buy All Japan Pro Wrestling to own two major companies at the same time. Very similar to WWE buying WCW. Uh. But this is wrestling, you know. What would happen? It's all what ifs, you know, all what ifs oh, yeah. take place. That, that is a big what if. Yeah, it's a big what if. Because when Vince McMahon bought WCW, he did not take care of it. Oh, no. That was a competition that he beat. If you put WCW brand as equal to Monday Night Raw or your SmackDown, that, that, wait a minute, we tried so hard to kill them, right? Right. Therefore, they did not treat WCW as their equal. Makes sense. Yeah, it was like sending if, a message. Yeah. If New Japan bought that 2001 version of Old Japan, would they be a two-major league? I think they were going to kill it. I want to step in just real quick, and I want to just say there was a, a period not too long ago very similar to what you're talking about, but but not quite there is, is uh, the fact that New Japan was fun. Well, I mean, they, they sent over, what, Jado as the booker, right? They sent over Jado as the booker. They put uh, Suzuki-Goon in noah right so it's basically you like help new them japan. out for a year it's yeah exactly new japan it, new japan's parent company was propping them up for a solid yeah. year and the noah fans completely remember that the, the ones that have been around for a while they remember that they were detested by it they were not happy by it and it oh, yeah, really right. kind of shook oh, the, 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 it shook the confidence in noah this is a... another element of wrestling each company you have loyal fan base the fans who loved, you know, Misawa's version of pro wrestling nor didn't want to have anything to do with New Japan color, you know? Yeah, especially actual during Suzuki's like, run. Yeah, Nagata, like an actual title match is like Kenta against, you know, Nagata, you know, Yuji Nagata. It was a good match. But uh, New Japan is like a like a strong paint, you know. They, they come in and paint all over and change the whole color of the promotion. And loyal fan base of no, Pro Wrestling Noah did not like that. Yeah, well, just like that. Just like if you grew up in South, you would like WCW, you know. If you grew up in, in, in New York State, you know, or East Coast area, you the only wrestling you love is WWE. Yeah, very different. If you grew up in Minnesota, AWA was it. But you guys are from different era. The more cable, see... The cable TV was there. The pay-per-view was there. You did. You guys didn't even experience um um closed circuit or anything like that. No, that's I true. I, I did not. No. <laughs> yeah, right into pay-per-view and all like a national national promotions. You know, therefore <laughs> WCW and WWE WWF. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Baba's old Japan and Inoki's in New Japan was like that. You know, two distinctive style, different channel network channel. Different fan base, you know, Inoki's religion and Baba's religion, you know. And you have to have them both too in order for it to oh, be yeah. of the course complete I picture it. of wrestling. Yeah, it was like uh, uh, okay, give me another thirty seconds of it. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. 
Giant Baba's Old Japan traditionally was like your Hollywood movie. You bring in Holly Race, you bring in Mil Mascaras, you bring in Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, and they have, have them work just like American style. Okay? Right. Whereas Antonio Inoki's New Japan, you bring in top, top name American, Andre the Giant, anybody, young Hulk Hogan, you know, Inoki beat him. Yeah, so it's two different color. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, that that was a split, and that the war had officially begun. Pro wrestling, nor and Mrs. Baba's version of all Japan pro wrestling. We we need to take a break. You know what? Let's take a quick break. We will be right back. This is Suwama Station, the official podcast of All Japan Worldwide Fan Group. Okay, folks, we are back. Thank you for joining us for Suama Station, the official podcast of All Japan Worldwide Fan Group. This is Dave, and this is Matt. Uh, I want to, I want to, I want to rewind a bit uh, with uh, when Baba was still around. Uh, when he was ill, uh, was there anyone that was like helping him out, like take care of the business, like helping, like with bookings, like whatever Baba needed when he was sick? Was there anyone particular that took over for a bit, like briefly? Like I mean, booking or no? Basically, like yeah, basically whatever Baba needed, like the help, like while Baba was getting ill, like did anyone like step in to help out for a well, show here and Baba, there? Baba was working in the ring upon two weeks before his death. Wow. You know, I didn't even. The last I... match he had in his life was six man tag team, Giant Baba, Under the Giant, and Russia Kimura. None of them was still. I mean, none of them was around anymore. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was working until. December of 1998, and he died in January of 1999. That is, that's pretty remarkable uh, because uh, it kind of just shows you how dedicated he was to his company, to all Japan, and, and, and you know, it, it sounds more. That sounds more like a um, a, a a father figure or like a yeah, parent yes. than a businessman. Oh, father figure. Jumbo was the oldest son. Misawa was the second oldest son. Onita was another son who ran away from home. Yeah. Agreed. And Tenryu was another Tenryu, one who yeah, ran Tenryu away. Tenryu was another son who left. Whereas Inoki's New Japan always had a power play, you know. Maeda leaves, Takada leaves, you know, then to become another company king. There was an interview that happened just this year that said, uh, I think Tenryu was saying, it was Maeda and, and Tenryu, and they did an interview, and uh, supposedly back before UWF was going to remerge into New Japan, they briefly went to go and uh, try to negotiate something with All Japan, but supposedly Baba only wanted what uh, Maeda and Maeda Takada, and Takada. right? Yeah, those right. two. You're talking about 1986, when right. original UWF went down, Inoki wanted everybody back, you know, Fujiwara, Kido, Yamazaki, everybody. Baba wanted to use Maeda and Takada, those two only. Tall, good-looking wrestlers. I mean, superstar to be. Yeah, he's just made this huge. I mean, you know, he, he's he's legitimately <laughs> a big guy. Oh, yeah. Maeda, yeah. Maeda was also another, uh, like, a wrestling philosopher that uh, he hated the fact he goes out to the bars 
And uh, just like America, you know, well, f- uh, somebody, I wouldn't say Mark, but uh, somebody will come up to you and say, wrestling's no fake, in it? And he hated that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, he wanted to make his wrestling as real as possible. Therefore, later on, UWF and rings. At the end of rings, it's complete 100% MMA. Right. That's why guys like uh, um, uh, oh, Fedor, Fedor is working there and Randy Couture yeah. is working there and because it's legit. So it's like, okay, we'll go and do that. We're Antonio, not going to do wrestling. Antonio Nogueira. Yeah, all those guys were discovered by rings. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that too, and they they should really go and do their their homework. But it's like, yeah, Rings introduced a slew of MMA of guys who would eventually become the the, the migrant of MMA to America and become UFC superstars. Yes, so in, I would. It's safe to say, MMA, UFC, and professional wrestling are still cousins. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There is. Oh, a, go, uh, back, yeah, a, go back to whatever we were talking about. The, the Noah split, yeah. So there was 2001 version of All Japan, and uh, after one year, Mrs. Baba was ready to retire and hand All Japan company to somebody, and Keiji Muto was it. Yeah, Keiji Muto, you know, officially resigned with New Japan and joins All Japan and becomes legitimate president of the company. By then, Tenru left. Again, was was Tenryu kind of priming himself to be in position to run all Japan, and it just seemed more like Baba was more wanting to give it to Muto, or was it, you know, like what what was the thing? Was there ever a contest between Muto and Tenryu for who was going to control all Japan for the next few years? Basically, Tenryu and Keiji Muto, two different generation. See, right. yeah, um, Muto is. Same age with Misawa and same age group with, you know, people like Masa Chono and Shinya Hashimoto, Hiroshi Hase, yeah, all that. And Tenru is same age as Jumbo and Riki Choshu. And Riki Choshu, the booker, then booker of New Japan, Riki Choshu and Tenru are actually personal, you know, good friends. And Riki Choshu was the one who recruited Tenru to headline all the Tokyo Dome show the, for the next two or three years. Yeah. Tenru against Ricky Choshu again. Tenru against Fujinami, the veterans, you know, legend match. Tenru against Kensuke. Tenru against Chono. Tenru against Hashimoto. You'll have all the dream match, you know, that could be made. So um, secretly, they didn't say it at the time because they wanted to treat Tenru as outsider. That gets over better, right? But Tenru basically signed contract with New Japan following year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So under New Japan wing. Because Muto's idea was going to run his own company for the first time. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, other forces within New Japan who wanted to buy out, you know, all Japan and all that things, you know. And uh Mut- Mrs. Baba wanted to sell the company to somebody who can run all Japan separately, not under New Japan wing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and then Keiji Muto was going to leave New Japan for real. Yeah. So it made it easier for her to give it to him at the long run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then to have Hiroshi Hase as a real middleman. Yeah. This is gold and has gone way better than I totally imagined. Really? Oh, 
My goodness. Oh no no no. no this is no, this no, this is great. Uh, we really do love this. Yeah, th- this is this is giving us a lot of uh, back channels on things where things aren't necessarily crystal clear because nobody yeah. in the English community, English speaking, you know, uh, community for for all Japan has really kind of written up anything that is like really kind of substantial. A few people have gone and translated pieces uh, uh, from you know uh, uh, Yahoo Japan and Sponichi and, and things like that to kind of uh. put pieces together, but to be able to get well, it, you know, somebody who's never so reliable as a news source because uh, there's just a sports writer who happened to be writing wrestling news at the time and nobody's really specialist in that field. Right. Mm. right. Yeah. Yahoo has the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the power of the internet. So exactly, we we want to say thank you to Fumi Saito for for joining us and giving us <laughs> such a big in depth. Uh, 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 you know, this is like I said, this has gone way better than I've totally imagined. Hey, it's a, it's a good conversation, and we're, again, we're just picking you know, their brain. I can come back and do it again. Sometime. Please, yes, we would oh, be we so delighted. We would be so delighted if you'd come back on sometime. We will we will find something very good to talk yeah, about. Yeah, because we didn't get the Suama era. <laughs> yeah, because Muto recruited a whole bunch of good rookie Suama, Kai, Hiroshi Yamato, Sanada. You know, all those guys. Some of them made it. Some of them kind of didn't. But uh, yeah, and Kento Miyahara didn't really come from all Japan school. He's no. Kensuke Sasaki people. Right, right, right. What's, he, he, yeah. he, he, What's he... interesting today is two best students of Kensuke Sasaki, Katsuhiko Nakajima, top guy from Noah, and Kento Kensuke. Miyahara, top guy of all Japan now. Those yeah. two guys were Kensuke Sasaki students. Right, and, oh, yeah, and it's yeah. a pretty strange parallel if you look at it. You know, at the time, you know, it's 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 amazing. Like what would happen yeah, if uh, Kensuke ran it? Um, that the ill-fated World Japan Pro Wrestling for the brief two-year period, Riki Choshu left New Japan and formed his own company. Riki Choshu, Tenru, Masa Saito, and, and Vader, Road Warriors. Yeah. Takao Omori yeah. came back later to join that. Right, too. right. So there were two-year period that that happened we have to touch upon. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, most definitely. definitely. I, I would I would love to do that. And you know what? Let's <laughs> Let's just plan on that. In the coming future, because you know what? Again, not a lot of people talk about that. We actually have people in our group that are like clamoring for that. Like, oh man, nobody's talked about the the Muto era. You know that whole you know time where it's like from two thousand two. Yeah, therefore you, know. you would have better understanding of today's product too. Oh no, most yes. definitely, most definitely. Yeah, because the rivalry between Suama and Kento Miyahara is pretty real because they came from two different backgrounds. Therefore, two different philosophy in wrestling. Yeah, no, most definitely. Yeah, for real. Yeah. See, wrestling's a lot more real than people would think, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. You know, I, yeah, I can't agree with that. Yeah. And I want people to be interested in history. Therefore, you have better understanding of what you're watching today. No, I agree. Most, most definitely. Yeah. Whatever you've got going on, we, we would love to hear about. Yes, whatever and, you, and, and please, please come back because we would love to have you back. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's good. Because that's my role to, you know, tell these, you know, you guys that you have better understanding. You know, there's no boundary, you know. Absolutely not. But, yeah, but, but are you are you working on anything you'd like to talk about or like to plug uh, uh, before you take before we uh, in the uh, interview? Or your you know all Japan fan you know worldwide fan base people that just email your questions and I will answer it. See, you now heard, that, you heard that was class. That is class right there, folks. If you can hear us, 
If you've got questions for Fumi Saito, drop them to us. Yes. Yeah, email us, and we will and we will have your questions answered. Whatever you want to know, this uh, is a big opportunity. You can, you can find me Fumi Saito on Facebook or Fumi Hikodayo on Twitter. Fumi Hikodayo, F-U-M-I-H-I-K-O-D-A-Y-O, Fumi Hikodayo. That's I, Twitter. I actually, I actually just add you on Facebook as we were talking. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so you know, we, you know, like, we, 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 we have had a, the world understanding. We we we've had a fantastic time just just having a great conversation about pro wrestling, and you know that's a great thing about this podcast and what we try to emphasize, which is just you know we're a worldwide group because you know we we're trying to bridge the gap, you know, all the way yeah. from Japan all the way over to the Pacific, you know, the other side of the Pacific where I'm at in California, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but there's so many people that, that want to know more and learn more. And that's what our group is all about is yeah, having good, friendly conversations. We, about We love so dearly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now uh, we want to make sure that you folks are, uh, you're subscribed to the YouTube channel where you'd be hearing this. Uh, we we want to make sure that you're following us through ChairShot Radio Network, uh, through uh, ChairShot. We go through Spotify, and we join the killer lineup of all the other awesome shows talking about wrestling from yeah, all over the world. And also promote this episode, and we'll have more subscribers. Yes, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, we promote exactly. like through the nose. You know, we 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 bust our butts to get ourselves out there. But uh, <laughs> we want we want to make sure that you're 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 checking us out through Spotify, through the Chair Shot Radio Network. We want to make sure that you're subscribed to us to YouTube. We want to make sure that you're uh, checking us out on the Facebook group. It's, it's all Japan Worldwide Fan Group. We're also on Twitter at AJPW worldwide because we're keeping current with all the stuff going on with uh, all japan and we also love dipping our toes back into the waters of nostalgia you know we were just talking about the noah split we talked with tai Okea, uh earlier in the, the the month about you know his time in all japan and you know we just we, we love doing this and we love giving this to you folks and we hope that you're subscribed we hope that you're checking us out we hope that you're telling everybody how cool that this stuff is so that they can get exposed to it and they can dig it as well. And, uh, you know, I can only say that we've got more interviews to come and more awesome talks about All Japan. And, again, thank you so much to Fumi Saito. Thank you to Matt for being an awesome co-host. We want to thank Fumi again because we had such a blast. We learned so much. We, we had no idea about certain details, and he sheds light on the subject in such a way that it's just, you know, I wish there was a book about this whole thing. But we want to say, again, thanks so much to Fumi Saito, and we would love to have him back on the show. So let's get over to part two of that interview with Tai Okea. And we are, again, very grateful for him to have given us the time to talk with us, and we hope he will be back as well. We have an awesome time doing these interviews, and we hope you're enjoying them as well. We hope you're subscribed to the YouTube. You're checking us out on the spotify and let's get over to that part two of the interview so uh let's uh kind of we move forward a bit and um we get to the end of the 2000s we start rolling into january of 2001 and you have this huge huge opportunity uh you're gonna wrestle uh keji muto who is arguably you know one of the most internationally recognized wrestlers that comes from japan 
And I mean, you know, that's that's like the beginning of a whole relationship with you and BATT and, you know, working with Muto. Could you can you kind of tell us about like what was going through your mind when you're finding out about, you know, you're going to face him in the, it was the Tokyo Dome, if I'm not mistaken, uh, January. Uh, if it, and, and that's got to be like right. just huge. You're just like, wow, like mind blown kind of thing. Can you can you walk us through that? Like when you found out and everything? Sure. Yeah, man. Um, shit, I remember it, like the first time I was told about it was tricky. It wasn't. It, it was like right before it. Um, um, it can't be that close. Anyway, um, yeah, I remember it was. I was at Corgan Hall, Corgan Hall, and uh, Mrs. Baba uh, coming up to me and, and asking me like, you know, um, uh, do you, uh, Tokyo Tokyo Dome show? Uh, you you wrestle. Um, <laughs> Muto, Muto Cage, um, you wrestled him single match, okay? And I was like, wait, wait, huh? And, <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah. I mean, it was like one of those, you know, when you say yes, but you, you're excited, but then you're kind of intimidated. And you're kind of like, wait, yeah? And then I was like, yeah, 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 sure. And then I was like, holy shit. And then, um, yeah, man. As, and he was one of those, so Muto like, was one of those guys with like, um, you know, like I used to see like great Muta and I was like, you know, I was freaking, oh, this guy's awesome. And like, you know, what things he could do and how, how fast and agile he was. And, um, yeah, man, it was pretty exciting. Um, and then leading up to, so, you know, never met him before, never saw him in person before. Um, day of the show, freaking first time I ever met him, like walking or passing each other, like in the hallway. I was like, Oh, hi, man. I, you know, or nice to meet you, um, you know, introduce myself. And uh, and I was like, holy shit, you're a lot bigger than I thought he would. Like, just, you know, like, just, you want somebody like on TV or whatever. And then I, it just, I, I did I never thought like he was a bigger dude. Like, and I was like, fuck, this guy's pretty big. And then, um, yeah, he's a good sized guy. Um, and actually like, we talked about this later. Like, man, I, I think you got like Hawaiian or Samoan in you. I don't think you're too Japanese. Because his bone structure, if you really like look at him, like he's a thick dude, you know? But yeah, that was like that. First time I met him was the day of the, the Tokyo Dome. Like, uh, yeah, and it was like, um, um, had a fun time. And I thought it was just, I was just like super, you know, he had, you know, how many thousands of people in front of you and just like, you know, I was like, you're here with a big star and like, yeah, it, it was cool. And it was like, one of those moments in my life where like, yeah, I look back and I was like, oh, that was awesome, you know? Yeah, I, I'm going to jump in real fast just because I, I want to uh, give a little bit of uh, <clears throat> context for listeners who are not uh, uh, fully kind of uh, immersed in the, the background of uh, the early 20s to all Japan, right? So, um this is actually more of a New Japan thing, too, is uh, uh, Keiji Muto, the great Muda, had spent uh, 2000 over in a good chunk of uh, 2000 WCW because he could play that card because he, he was he was that well-known in New Japan. He could just get over to, to WCW. He's over in WCW. At the end of 2000, he shows up uh, at a, a show for uh, Inoki. And uh, he comes out with his bald head and his new trunks, and he has this new look. And so you basically get to face him right when that's like literally like a, a month, maybe even a few weeks after that. So I mean that that's that's even bigger. You know, you kind of got to see him right before it starts getting to him being 
you know, the, the, the Pudesu love and, you know, the, the, the hand gesture and, you know, using the Shining Wizard on a regular basis. And, and you know, that's like a, a big, big thing in, in not just uh, Japanese hist- wrestling history, but in like wrestling history itself, because he would go on to just go on a tear that year in 2001. He goes and wins the Triple Crown against Tenryu. And then you wind up winning uh, tag team titles with him, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for not only uh, for uh, New Japan, right? You're a New Japan tag team champion, and so um, I mean that's that's got a that's that's wow, you know that that doesn't happen. Like you mentioned, just getting the opportunity to work with him, that doesn't just happen to anybody, you know. Um, so like, uh, what uh, do you have any uh, memories of when you when you started tagging with him when you got when you started being a part of BATT with uh, Shinzaki and him and uh, Hase. And and Don Fry. Yeah, right. He he was a part of the that I mean occasionally, right? Uh, with um with that. And um yeah, it, it was a man, that, that was actually it was super cool because you know, you, you go from all Japan and then you have uh the all Japan split with Noah and then you go down to like, you know, oh shit, this company's gonna go down and we're just gonna be a, a little indie company until, like, you know, we partner up with, um, um, you know, New Japan, and then we said, then I started doing New Japan tours, which is like, man, they were like up there at that time, you know, like they, uh, Team Two Thousand, and like, you know, uh, they did just like, you know, the, the houses were better at that time. Their, um, um, just everything about it was was like a was like a level up that time. And so, man, I, I enjoyed like, doing tours with those guys. And um, I remember even, uh, uh, who was it? Um, God, uh, so I remember like even Scott Hall. Like, I, I remember I worked Scott Hall during that time. Um, different other guys, New Japan guys, even like uh, seeing the, um, because they, during that time too, they had like all that stuff with uh, Pride. And the Pride guys were, were working, right, with, with uh, New Japan. So I remember, like, you know, riding, um, you know, the, the Gaijin bus, the Foreigner bus with, with those guys and, uh, you know, hanging out with them, going out having, you know, some beers and everything else with, with those guys. So, and, man, it was, it was a good time. It was a, it was a fun time. Like, I'm, it was like Don Fry and I, we went out, like, to, it was like we were in Sapporo, um, up in Hokkaido, and, like, we were, like, freaking through, like, early mornings, you know. just like, um, yeah, it was awesome. But um, you can see him in a movie. I don't know if he's done a movie in a while, but he was in Public Enemies with uh, right. uh, uh, Johnny Depp and uh, uh, was it Chris? I think Christian Bale is in there too. But I mean, that's the, the, crazy how Don went into movies and he did that Godzilla movie. I mean, that guy is so cool. I, I love Don Fry and I feel bad for not of mentioning him, but I'm glad that you you know definitely piped in that he was a member of BATT because like originally it's like you and uh otani and otani and, and fry and, and muto but then otani winds up going to do the zero one thing and that's you know scrubbed and, and then uh, uh shinzaki comes and then hase gets revealed i mean I, I remember this period very fondly just because uh all, all these things came unexpectedly with with muto jumping in and then b-a-t-t forming and, and the, the 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 interaction with team 2000 I, I i dug it i dug it all um moving along we get to um you and the year i'm sorry matt did you want to chime in oh yeah um during your time with Muto, how, uh, what have you learned from muto during your time like tagging with him 
like, like, did you pick his brain? Like, what did you get out of him, like, information-wise to help you grow yeah, as a competitor um, in the long run? His his timing was was awesome, you know, and he just he just had he had the timing and the charisma, you know, you know, um, I would you know I wouldn't I didn't have you know as much you know the charisma as he did, but yeah, it was his timing and charisma were were awesome, and just like knowing like his his gut reactions, you know, for, um, that he he would do like, when he was wrestling were pretty like amazing, and yeah, he he was a he was just funny. There's a way how he would talk to sometimes like in the, in. This in normal conversations he, um, that that I would have with him and stuff, but um, yeah, very charismatic guy. Um, during uh, pro wrestling business wise, I mean, for himself, I thought he was he was like just very good. Um, you know, like for all Japan in general as a boss, sometimes I like oh, like ah, oh, I don't know how good you know good of a decision that was, but you know, it's it's. It's different when you're in that place, right? And you're the one in charge. You're you're making you're making these calls and stuff. So, right? Um, yeah, he's uh, but he, he was um, yeah, it was like uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, we have had a fantastic king-sized episode of Suama Station. I want to thank Matt, my co-host, for joining us. We want to say thanks again to. Chair Shot Radio Network for hosting us on Spotify. We really appreciate it. We hope you're checking out all the other cool stuff that they've got going on. We hope that you're checking out All Japan Worldwide Fan Group on Twitter as well as on Facebook. Just look us up and you'll find us and we will try our best to get the newest updates and events on what's going on with All Japan for the English-speaking Folks out there, the audience, we want to say thanks again to Cage Match and Puto Love for all the events, all the the information that they cover is fantastic, and it really is a big help to us. We want to say thanks again. Striga just had a birthday not too long ago. Happy birthday, Striga! And uh, we wanted to also make sure that you're checking out uh, all the cool stuff that we've got going on in the group. We are actually just going to hit our third anniversary in a couple of days, and so we're probably going to have a watch party to celebrate that. And you know, if you're in the group by that point, you know you got to check it out and uh, have. You know, we haven't had a good watch party in a while, but I don't see a reason why we can. But um, the holidays, right? So, Matt, what are you covering on Chair Shot right now, away from All Japan? Well, uh, actually, I am done with show reviews for the rest of the year because it is holiday season. But I am going to write my top 25 matches of 2020. That should be out the day after Christmas. Five matches a day up until New, the New Year's Eve to end the year that we have had. So definitely check it out. 2021 should be special. Uh, I had talked to Fumi about a one-on-one interview that will probably happen soon. I don't have a day yet. Uh, I am planning more interviews in the future in general, with along with Suwama Station and then the solo stuff. But again, definitely a lot more writing, a lot more talking. That is my goal for 2020, at the end of 2020 to 2021. So definitely keep an eye out for it. Awesome. We we are also myself and Matt are also planning on doing a uh, best of 
2020 match list for all japan as well i i'm not sure when matt will drop his but i'll probably have mine closer towards the first two weeks of the new year just so i have time to kind of compile things and you know uh, process because that's i mean mike you know that's that's a bit of a task to go through all these matches and all these events and be like you know here's here's the 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 pick of the litter so to speak but we love all japan and we love doing the show and we we really are going to make sure that we have a hell of a list that you guys can go and follow and check out and see if you dig these matches as well and that's going to do it for us in this episode of suama station i want to say thanks again to matt for joining us and i want to say thanks again to everybody for listening in and subscribing we will be back next month with part three of our interview with tayo Kea, as well as the events of december and possibly a little bit into january i mean more than likely we will wait for the january shows the early ones at corkin to be done so we can kind of discuss things at length and we have time to you know kind of process them and you know get some feelings about them and we're really looking forward to that so again we want to say thank you for joining us we'll see you back next month this is dave and matt saying blue justice